fans in a lot of ways. I know how they feel. They're great. They're loyal. They want to bang for their buck. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Larshcast. On this episode, host Sat Oberoi is joined by Junkie Bajwa and myself, Gulunanda, to discuss what is going to happen with the Canucks come trade deadline. We're going to share our thoughts about the players we think are going to get moved and a lot more. Let's go. Hold up. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Larsh Cast. This is Season 3, Episode 12. My name is Sat Oberoi, and I'm joined today by Gulu Nanda and Juggy Bajwa, and we're going to talk all things Canucks playoffs, and not necessarily what the Canucks should do as the trade deadline approaches, but what we think might actually happen. So not putting on our GM caps, but more looking at, you know, what actually makes sense and what we can think um, would occur as, as a real real deadline move for the Canucks, whether they're going to, you know, add to the team or they're going to subtract to the team. So without further ado, I'd like to bring on Gulu and Juggy. Gulu, first, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. Can't, uh, can't complain. It's uh, it's a bit windy outside, but the sun was out and Tuesdays are usually my day off. It's Tuesday today. So um, no Canucks hey. game tonight. Can't really say I'm excited for later on, but let's see. Tuesdays, Tuesdays like the Friday. Yeah, no, things have been good. Um, I uh, just got my evening job prepared, so I'm I'm fired up, ready to go. Juggy, for oh. the people that don't know what Ja is, you got to explain what Ja is, man. Yeah, yeah. So Ja is um, is basically chai. So you know, like a lot of people will say chai tea, um, and it's, that's a pet peeve I mean, of mine. Chai tea is a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, yeah, I know. Mine, mine too, actually, because it's it, it kind of it's pretty much TT, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, uh, um, we usually do that in the evenings. It kind of makes you makes you feel fresh, and and uh, I'm really excited to to talk about the team. All right, and you know what? We caught you uh, singing the anthem the other game too, and I gotta say, every time I see you do the anthem and hear it, it's just awesome. It, it kind of takes me away from the hockey, and it's just like okay. Who is this guy? How can he sing so well? So, props oh, to you, thank, man. Oh, thank you so much, man. That's uh, that's a huge compliment. Jackie, I'm sorry to say it. that I missed your rendition of the anthem yesterday, but I know from experience that it's amazing. <laughs> you know what? Thanks, I will thanks. say, though, like, Juggy, I think you do a better job with the American National Anthem than the Canadian. And it's not really your fault. Is I think the American National Anthem just lends itself to a better performance than the Canadian. It's just more patriotic, I think. But what do you think as a as the anthem singer yeah so um you know i i would say that um i think i think the american national anthem the reason why it is the way it is is because there's a lot of range uh that um it, it, it is in, involved in terms of um when you when you sing because there's a there's a low range you go to your mid and then you obviously hit those high notes uh, as as the sound goes along, right, or as the anthem goes along, whereas okay, that's you know it's uh, it's it's beautiful in its own way. It's really plain, and and the reason, you know, um, I don't do too much in O Canada is because you know everyone's singing along, and you know it just it, it it's it's like a different feel of its own. It gives you like goosebumps, and and just to have everyone singing with you, and um, so so yeah, I mean. Uh, I, I love performing both anthems, but obviously as a vocalist, right? Like when you, when you sing the American national anthem, it's, it's, it's like a challenge. It, it, 
gets you geared up like you have to be prepared before the game or before any performance when you sing the national uh, the american national anthem especially um because you know you you got to be on point with the notes and you know i'm 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 my own worst critic right so uh, you know anytime i listen to myself i'm i i always look for things to improve on and, and always those uh um little things little uh consistencies you know and 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 that's what just kind of keeps me going awesome look at that we're getting full analysis on the 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 tech <laughs> the, <laughs> the tactics of of um singing the national anthem so yeah. you know what i think if, if you're going to analyze the canucks in the same way you just analyze singing the national anthem we're gonna have a great great show today so let's get into it right <laughs> So we're on the heels, pressure, man, but I'll oh, for sure, try. for sure. <laughs> we're on the heels of a of a Canucks win against the Kraken the other night, um, but you know that game was on the heels of another game when they played the Canucks played the Anaheim Ducks and got completely s- smoked out of their own arena, their own barn, whatever you want to call it. And um, so, the first question I'm going to pose to you both, and uh, and I'll provide my opinion afterwards. But Gulu, I want to ask you, who are the Canucks? We've asked this question for a number of years now and it's always been um, not clear as to what the identity of the Vancouver Canucks is and you know this season they kind of they fell off really quickly as the season started and we all know all the turmoil the management and the changes with you know uh, Rutherford Rutherford and his team coming in and Boudreaux and had the Boudreaux bump and 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 you know they had the um, identity of of being a faster paced and more pressure um, focused team. But lately it seems like that might've been uh, pulled back a bit. So in, in your mind, who are the Vancouver Canucks and are they, are they a team that can, you know, squeak into the playoffs and, and win a couple of games in the first round? I, I think just the way that things are, are unfolding right now and just the nature of the division I, I wouldn't bet on them making the playoffs. And I know that, you know, um, it's pretty tough to say as a Canucks fan that you won't be seeing any hockey in the summer. But um, I think it's it's just a natural course, the cycle of how things unfold. Uh, and if you're asking me who they are, like, do I even really know? The team is so Jekyll and Hyde over the last few years. They went from being one of the highest scoring teams with great goaltending to being, you know, a middling team offensive-wise, but with a strong a uh, set of uh, first-pairing def- defensemen. I don't know if you'd say that they're first-pairing, but uh, Tyler Myers and Oliver Ekman-Larsen, they've been, uh, they've been holding it down on the defensive side of things. So I, I, I'm not really sure what this team is right now. And I think that if you could solidify what their identity is, is that they have strong young players who are getting better, uh, but they need support. Uh, um, I think the team's a little bit slow right now. It needs a bit more speed. And obviously that back end doesn't look like... Uh, it's one that would instill a lot of confidence in a lot of NHL coaches. So there is definitely something there, um, but I, I, uh, I don't know what, how it's going to unfold over the next couple of years. And that's, that's what we're waiting for with uh, Jim Rutherford taking over here is that now with a new set of eyes and, you know, a strong front office, uh, what, what is the, the trajectory the team is going to take? Is it, is it going to start projecting upwards or, or are we going to see what we've seen the last few years, which is, you know, short spurts of, of potential, but never really putting it together. Yeah. And, you know, I'll give, I'll give the floor to Juggy here in a moment, but I want to just uh, ask you a follow-up there, Gulu. You mentioned that this Canucks team is a young team that needs to be supported by others. Now, you know, you look at the best player 
he's not the youngest player on the team. It's JT Miller. Yeah. Right. And you look at the goaltender, Demko, he's not, I mean, he's not old by any stretch, but he's definitely not, you know, a spring chicken either. He's mid twenties. And then you go down the list and, you know, Bo Horvat, who's obviously again, not a young player. We may want to want to think he's a young player because he's still kind of the, the younger guard from when the Sedins had left, but yeah, you know, the team isn't as young for the top players as you might think. I mean, they have, they have Hoaglander and Pod Colson, but we, we, we've seen kind of what those players are and they're complementary players. So um, when, when would you consider this team not really a, a young team anymore? I think as long as your number one defenseman and your number one center are under 25, you know, you're still pretty young. And if you take a look at Thatcher Demko, this is his first full season in the NHL. I know he's 26 years old, which is, you know, the same age as um, uh, Bo Horvat, but uh, goalies, they age differently depending on how much wear and tear their body takes. And, and Thatcher's been a backup for the last few years or splitting it AB style. So I think that those three players right there really just, you know, um, they sort of, uh, they shape like what the future of the team can be. A guy like JT Miller can be traded. Don't, don't get me wrong. I think he's playing amazing. He's 28, which I don't think is old, but in hockey terms, it is, you know, um, when, especially when you're going to be looking at his contract again next year, you think about age in that, in that sense. But uh, um, I, I still think that it's uh, three pieces. It's Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, and Thatcher Demko. They're, they're still young to, um, uh, in terms of like the NHL age. So, um, you know, you were touching on the fact that I said that you need to surround these players with, with the right people. And what it comes down to, I think, is that the, the, the right players are in the right age range. You know, a guy like Brock Besser is 24, which is the right range. Um, they have contracts which provide surplus value. And I think that's easier said than done. Uh, but you can't surround them with players that don't provide value. You know, people that are just at or, you know, providing less value than what they're getting paid, which is what this team is right now. Um, if you take a uh, take a look at a guy like Oliver ekman Larson, you know, he's getting $7.2 million. Uh, I'd be more comfortable with a five and a half, you know, based on his uh, play so far. Tyler Myers, Tyler Myers is the same. He gets paid $6 million a year, somewhere in the four and a half to $5 million range, I think would be fair given, you know, how long he's played in the, the league, the experience he has. And, you know, the idea of seniority, the older you get, the longer you play in the NHL, usually you get a little bit of a salary bump with that too. So um, okay, just my thoughts there. Well, very good thoughts there. So, Jug, I'm going to turn it over to you now. So what do you think the identity of the Canucks team is right now? Well, I think uh, Glue was pretty spot on. I think inconsistency, inconsistency is their consistency. You know, um, I think, you know, when we look at the Canucks as a whole this season, um, you know, just with even the underachieving sort of 25, first 25 games and then the Boudreaux bump and, you know, the where they're at now, um, just across the board, um, you know, they're, they're close to a five. I, I know they're a bit out above 500 right now, I think two games above 500. Um, but I think that's where they're at right now. And um, I think that's where this, this team is. And, and, you know, there was a lot of people that said that they would probably be closer to a 500 team and they could have a chance of overachieving, um, you know, and, and initially when we came into the season, right, we were so excited about the top nine. We were so excited, you know, that the, the offense at least was going to be there was going to be potent. Um, but I think, you know, in our excitement 
also it's it's important to remember that for Paul Colson, right? Because he's considered a part of the top nine. You know, it's his first year in the league. Uh, Hoaglander is going to go through, you know, the, you know, the second year, quote unquote, the, the cliche that they use, the sophomore slump. Um, you know, so sometimes things don't always come together when you want to. And if you're the organization right now, you're, you're probably thinking, you know, how, <clears throat> excuse me, how much of, of this is uh, players underachieving and is it a one-off um, in terms of the forwards? Because you, you kind of have to think about that before you trade, especially one of your top forwards, right? Because, you know, if things go sideways, that could be, that could not be a good trade. Um, and, and you potentially might end up losing that trade. And, and there's a lot of potential for that, um, you know, with a, with a guy like JT Miller, for example. Right. Um, and, and so for me, like, I definitely think we need more foot speed though. Uh, you know, we need uh, more players that can drive the offense and um, you know, it's not always about skating fast. It's, it's just about getting to the corners, uh, grinding on the half boards, uh, driving to the net, getting more to the net. Um, and, and I think Jim Rutherford actually put it uh, quite succinctly um, in, in, um, the, the 650 interview recently where he said, you know, uh, this team is an average skating team with elite goaltending to build them out of, of, um, uh, you know, uh, matches and, and win those matches or at least be in those, uh, games. And so I think that's, that's held true for a lot of this season. And, you know, when, when the goaltending falls off, so does the team. And, and we saw that, you know, especially against Anaheim, right. Where every, everyone just came out flat and, you know, that wasn't all on Demco, obviously. And um, the positives that I do want to focus on is that it seems like the offense has has been going quite decently. Uh, I would say quite well over this, especially. Uh, and I know score effects are a part of that. Um, but I, I, I also think that, you know, at least the team is fighting to, you know, showing that they, they're still trying to, uh, get things done but maybe they just don't have the personnel to you know do that consistently throughout games right either they'll have good starts um, and then they'll fizzle out or they'll you know start off poorly and then get better and and you know all you need is just like a 10 minute sort of segment of a game uh, where you could lose the game if you're not um, you know playing well and if and especially against Anaheim if you're playing like that for 20 minutes uh, in the first period, you're, you know, it's so hard to come back in a league, um, you know, especially going down four, nothing, five, nothing. And, you know, so that's, that's sort of where I'm at with the team. And I, I do think, you know, it's going to be really hard to make the playoffs too. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that's a good point. Like the team, like, I mean, you think of how, how in the past it's been a, a trait for the Vancouver Canucks teams. Um, when they've not been, when things have not been going well. Is they'll let in a goal, then they'll let in another and another and another. And it seems like those that flood just just can't be held back. So I think this team has it, it's kind of on a rocky rocky path, rocky point right now where they could become really bad really quick again um, because of the team being what might be thought as fragile. When yeah. something goes wrong, they just yeah. fall apart again and again. So it, it's going to be up to, uh, you know, the coaching staff to instill a level of confidence in, in the team and, and the, the leadership of the team, which is, you know, all the good, the top players on the team, 
yeah. they need to be able to kind of you know strengthen themselves and when times get get a bit tough and and not really pout but go out there and make sure that you don't just let in another couple of easy goals right because I, uh, the goaltending is yeah the goaltending has been been their their crutch all season long and you know if you don't have that for one period then it it, it can't mean that you're going to lose the game and it can't mean exactly. you're going to lose the game by a lot yeah you know and, honestly i feel like we haven't really seen this team the way that it was constructed reach their potential at all this season you know if Elias Pettersson is going, Bo Horvat isn't going, you know, JT Miller, he carried this team for so long, you know, Connor Garland wasn't going. Um, I don't think we've seen Jake and Dickinson once this season, <laughs> like even though he's played a bunch of games, yeah. <laughs> like there's, there's, uh, there's a potential of a team, you know, and what you want as a coaching staff is to get as close to that high end potential as possible. But I don't think we've seen it at all. Um, uh, no, and 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 you know what? That's that's really true. And and I know a lot of people really talk about, um, you know, our top six and our bottom six, and you know, like our our top six are still on a pace for you know decent goal totals this season, right? But you know, and and in a way, they're still getting it done. But it's 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 not getting it done enough, right? That's the yeah. issue with with the team. It's you know, you're you're getting it done once you know. Um, it's very inconsistent. Um, and so that's, that's something that they'll have to look at. And, and I, and I agree, I think the coaching staff is a, is a definitely a part of it, but I also think that the players also, um, you know, they, they have to have that leadership where someone says, okay, this is what we're doing. And it, not that they don't, but I think it just needs to happen more where people lead by example, right. Where they go out there, get to the net. And I, I've, really liked Pedersen's game it started to come around to form and I've always been of the mind that trading him would be a massive massive mistake um and you know he's showing that he can get back to um you know the pre-pandemic sort of Elias Pedersen that we saw yeah and I think uh, I mean there's there's all obviously that balance that you know this one player is untouchable there's another one that's untouchable then the next one maybe isn't as untouchable as you might think he he is on this team. And, and then the tricky part is, okay, how many of these players are actually uh, a core building block for not just a playoff team, but a championship team? How many of them are, you know, cursory pieces? And how many of them are, are just, you know, at the stage where it's not going to get done, right? So it, being a Canucks fan and following these players from when they were, you know, in some cases drafted by the Vancouver Canucks or, or you know, the the team obtained them on a, on a great trade, perhaps like, how do you, how does the, the fan base not just overvalue their players all the time? And, and it's not a question that we oh, yeah. can answer to. It's just always the case when you have all these players who you think have uh, such a high potential, not into, not only individually as, you know, Hunter Shinkirik, the new Patrick King. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Those type of things. Right. But oh really the nail on the head is like the, the team has such a, such a high potential of all these players playing well and playing well at the same time. We haven't seen it yet, but at what point does that become? Well, it's just, it's just not this team, right? It's not this team. And, and we got to make a little bit of, of a change to maybe spark that, that whole line, that whole, uh, you know, forward group to just play well as a unit, as opposed to playing well individually. Well, so, you know, like they say that, you know, it's easier to keep up than to catch up. And in this league, if you're 500 for most of the season, you have a chance of getting into the playoffs. You know, the majority of the teams make the playoffs, right? Mm -hmm. 
So the beginning of the season was so brutal for this Canucks team. Even if they were playing, you know, somewhat close to the capacity that they're able to play with, it's so hard to catch up, man. It's so hard to catch up. I do feel yeah. since Boudreaux has taken over um, that the team has been closer to its potential. They played well. I mean, last night they played probably one of the best games they've played all season. Uh, it was a well-rounded game. Against a terrible opponent, though. Against a terrible opponent, but you know, like, but they were dominated. Teams, Seattle's yeah, dominated they, them in the past too. And they, I mean, there were. I mean, I think they said that the Canucks had. There was a stat that Sportsnet put up last night. The Canucks had a number of games, like five or six, where they had more than forty shots. But their, but their record was like one in five. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's been games where they've had the same amount of uh, uh, chances, but they just you know lost. Whereas yesterday they brought it home. Right. And I understand it's against a poor opponent, but, you know, uh, NHL team is an NHL team, in my opinion. Uh, You want to look like that against the obviously bad teams and you want to look like that against some of the good teams, too. And some nights those good teams are going to make you look like crap. So um, uh, I think I think yesterday, if you were just looking at it in isolation, it was it was a great. uh, But see, the problem there is that it's not the good teams making the Canucks look like crap the past week. Right. It's been. The, the New York, York Islanders, Islanders <laughs> who, are, who had the same record as the Canucks. Yeah. And then it's been Anaheim, who if the Canucks and Anaheim had swapped, you know, who won, they'd have the same record too. So yeah. they're, they're teams that they're directly competing with that are making them look much, much inferior. Yeah. Right. Well, so I mean, we've just historically had terrible luck against Anaheim. Like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got a losing record over like, the last especially like, over the, Yeah. Like, we just. Like I've always been scared of Anaheim, even though they haven't been great, especially yeah. the past few years. Like we just never seem to do well against those guys. Yeah. It's gonna take and, Gibson and, and Getzlaff to leave the team. Once yeah. those guys are gone, that's a different story. Hopefully. Well, okay. I just, I, you know, I'm always on Twitter. Uh, there's a there's a tweet by somebody, N Mercad at N Mercad. I don't want to butcher the guy's name, but I'm gonna give it a shot anyway. Nick Mercadante, uh, who's yeah. hearing that there's some movement imminent on JT Miller. Uh, to stand by for updates. So if anything happens, I'll keep you guys updated on this. All right. Yeah. So, okay. But that could so, also be a sign, uh, potentially agreeing on a sign signing in the, in the in this off season, right? Something like that. That's it could I mean. be. And 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 here's the thing: if they're if they're <laughs> thinking about JT Miller right now and they're trading JT Miller, you know, I guess my question is because I'm a huge Miller fan. You know, and I was a huge Toffoli fan. Like that really, <laughs> that really sucked losing Toffoli and Tanev. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why we've taken a step back is when you lose guys like that, obviously, um, which, you know, we're going to see them on, on, on Thursday. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be a game of shinny, by the way, right? Like it's going to be like guys that just know each other and they're probably just like, Calgary's <laughs> like, you know what? Fine. We'll, we'll just let you, we'll just let you win tonight, right? Nah. But, you, you know, <laughs> like I, I, I don't know. I, I just think that, um, you know, JT Miller is like one of, you know, our best player this season. He's been our MVP besides Thatcher Demko. I think Thatcher Demko has been the MVP, yeah. uh, but he, he's a guy that really drives, um, you know, everything, uh, you know, into the zone and, and drives everyone around him on his line to be better. Uh, yeah. He makes defensive mistakes, um, and I and I totally get that. I don't but like how the- he gives up on plays, man. I don't know. I, I feel like if you're the best yeah. player of a team, he is by far one one of the most talented players on the team. I think Pedersen and Quinn Hughes are probably you know a notch above him in terms of talent. But I mean, pure physicality, JT's got it. All right, offensive oh, talent, sure. he's got it. 
but the guy gives up on plays every other game. And I've, I've seen a couple, you know, back checks of his and he leaves it up to one of his teammates uh, to, to make up ground. He shouldn't be doing that. Right. And but, I don't know how, how much I don't know that... How that translates into, into the, the dressing room. Obviously. I mean, there's like, I'm not sure if you subscribe to, you know, there being an alpha dog or betas and stuff like that. I mean, the guy is definitely an alpha, but I mean, how is that translating into the room amongst the people that he's playing with? And what kind of influence does it have over the, the, the culture of the team? That's what I'm wondering, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's definitely true. I would say, though, that he, he obviously really cares. Um, you know, he's definitely played his heart out for this team, I think. And I, I do think that he really hates to lose. And I think we need more players. I think the reason why there are times where he maybe looks tired out there is because he's one of the only, I would say one of the only three players on the team that can really drive play. Right. Like if you're kind of placing this huge load on one guy like Miller, you know, we need more Miller. We need more, you know, Garland types, I would say, you know, guys and not necessarily like, you know, guys who can um, just score goals, but guys who can, you know, make it hard to play against. And we just need more of those guys, right? So it's like, if you trade a guy like Miller, or if you trade a guy like Garland, how are you replacing them? Like, are you going to go dive into the free agent market and sign a guy like Ricard Raquel or Thomas Hurdle? Um, or, you know, do you, do you look at trades? And, and as, we, as it is already, we're, we're strapped in terms of the cap. And yeah. it, it's, it's going to be tough in that sense, right? So how do you, yeah. how you add without, you know, removing more from the roster? So yeah. we were originally going to talk about what we think the, the Canucks were going to do in the, in the trade market right now. There's some speculation as we're recording this podcast is, you know, things can change. So there's been speculation from, uh, you know, Elliot Friedman saying that he's on the JT Miller to Toronto train. And I'm not sure yeah. how that would even work. And then we have this report on Twitter from, um, so I forget the name. They're Google Nick Mercadante. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I just look on, on uh, Twitter here. He's from Connecticut. So Connecticut means New York, right? So, I mean, what do you guys think? Like, if it's those two teams, do you think that's something for Miller? I mean, is going to get the Canucks and the Leafs or the Canucks and the Rangers? Or or either, or is is it, it, does it seem like it's just down to those two now? Like, I don't know. There's some pretty high profile people kind of. I don't know. I don't know who the Leafs have that the Canucks would like, you know, like what would like, I don't like well, JT Miller first, you know, first and, they, and Lilligren. They have Lilligren, they have Sandine, right? They wouldn't want to get rid of either of them, I'm sure. But, you know, there's, there's those two players there. Yeah. And I'm then, not as high on Lilligren as I am on Sandine. Oh, Sandine's no. much better, right? Yeah. Lilligren's kind of fell out of favor and he'd be like a third piece, I think, if anything. I think so too. Um, I would actually be more interested in what New York is offering. I think there's something to be said about, you know, maybe a guy like Vitaly Kratsov and a Braden Schneider. I would definitely would like a guy like Braden Schneider in that deal. If I'm, if I'm, you know, Canucks management, unless if they feel like, you know, a guy like Zach Jones, who's another good prospect um, can, can come in and um, you know, uh, this team needs a bit of everything, right? They need, they need more defense. They need, uh, more uh, depth at the forward position. They they need they need everything. So mm-hmm. um, you know the goalies maybe not, but uh, everything else is on the table. Yeah, I mean, um, there's a lot of options. Obviously, if it is those teams, but um, maybe maybe let's just shift back a bit because there there is obviously this 
potential of something happening to JT Miller. And, you know, as Canucks fans, we want to see, see news all the time. So maybe it'll happen tonight, maybe not. But, but if this isn't a move that the Canucks are willing to make, if they if they want to keep JT Miller in the fold for, for this year, next year, and, uh, you know, long-term future, maybe the sign for a longer contract, what is a deal that, that you think is going to happen at the deadline or prior to the deadline? Because there's, there's almost a hundred percent assurity that the Canucks are not going to stand pat. Um, they're going to ship out at least a player or two and, and I'll start. I mean, my, my whole thing and lately it's been, um, I think the most reasonable uh, expectation would be the Canucks to lose a couple of, of wingers. Right. And, and that would be, someone like a Tyler Maud, which is an easy one to trade because he's on an expiring contract. But I think the Canucks and Rutherford are going to find a way to ship out uh, Tanner Pearson because yeah. he hasn't done anything since Rutherford's been been hired and Rutherford's already traded him once. So, <laughs> so I mean, I think there's something Actually, you know, what? under Boudreaux, Pearson's played pretty well. I, I was I was looking at some stats a couple of days ago. He's like a 0.4 to 0.5 points per game or something like that. Yeah, so. but I don't. I still don't think he's done enough to, to warrant his contract. So yeah, yeah. like his you know, three plus million dollars. So I think, and plus again, Rutherford's traded him once before. So he, there's <laughs> something in this game he doesn't like anyway. Right. So yeah. um, I don't know. So Gulu, why don't we start with you? Like, what do you think, what do you expect to happen? I mean, I do expect him to move, try to move Tanner Pearson. Don't get me wrong. And I think that his recent performance lends itself to, you know, actually exploring that because, you know, you, you cited his contract as, you know, one that's hard to live up to. I agree with you. It's like 4% of the cap right now. Um, uh, it makes sense that the team explores that. Uh, I, I wouldn't explore the Connor, a Connor Garland trade. You know, I mean, at this point last season playing with Arizona, he had like 10 more points or something like that. So he's obviously underachieving and which makes sense. I mean, like your life gets uh, unrooted in the middle of a global pandemic and you're moving to a new place. You got new teammates, you know, sometimes it takes a little while to catch up. Right. So I wouldn't want to trade a guy like Connor Garland. I think, you know, Tanner Pearson, they'll probably explore like they're going to try moving Jason Dickinson. And that guy hasn't lived up to expectations either. Uh, Tyler Mott yeah. is somebody they can easily move. You know, one person, if I were to pick like a dark horse on the team that I think that they have the potential of moving that might have some value around the league is a guy like Tyler Myers. All right. There's only two more, se- uh, two more seasons left on his, uh, his deal after this at 6 million per year. Uh, if they're willing to bite a little bit of that contract, I'm sure there's a couple teams out there that are looking for a right-hand support that would be interested. And he's having a great season. Probably um, Brian Burke doesn't want him. <laughs> right in Pittsburgh, then. I'm sure he wants them. <laughs> yeah. you, you know what? Actually, Galu brings up uh, so many great points in here, too. I think, uh, you know, the Jason Dickinson, I was so bullish on the Dickinson move when he first came in. Like, I was so happy um, that, you know, we got a third line center that could ease the load off of Horvat and that, you know, it would help Horvat live up to more of an offensive potential. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately that just hasn't been the case um, with, with Dickinson, who I, who I think is, is a great person and a, you know, an overall a great utility player. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, maybe the third line center experiment just hasn't panned out for him. Uh, and, and maybe the fit isn't there, but, um, and I think that's one of the reasons why Horvath has been struggling this season is because he has gotten more of the tougher uh, matchups because you know, they don't have uh, a, a, a de facto third line center that they can go to right now. Um, and, and I think the other, you know, Tyler Myers, I, I mean, that's, that's an interesting one, right? Like, do you have to give up 
a pick along with um, clearing Tyler Myers uh, cap, for instance, um, you know, it, you know, what if they trade, for example, if they traded JT Miller and they get, you know, a first round pick back in the deal, do they use that first round pick along with Myers to ship him off uh, to, to somewhere else in the off season? And um, in return, they just lose that cap space and they're, they're able to use that to sign other players. Um, you know, and, and, and in terms of Garland, uh, what, what Galu was saying, I, I agree. I would not give up on, on Garland. Um, you know, he's, he's on a really good deal, a fantastic deal. And I think he's giving you uh, a lot of, um, you know, intangibles besides the goals and everything else. Um, and, you know, that would be a hard one for me to give up. Um, and, and, and here's the thing, right? Like, you know, we're talking about trading, you know, these core players away, you know, when I, like I said, you know, kind of looking back to even like the, the Calgary Flames, right? They, they went through their coaches like Jeff Ward and Gullitson and, and they finally settled on Sutter last year. But it's like they never, you know, drastically changed their core. I think they traded, the, I think one of the only highlights was they traded Sam Bennett away to Florida. Yeah. And, you know, but Daryl Sutter's got them playing, you know, a full sort of Daryl Sutter type hockey. And they've reached their potential. I, they've reached their potential. And so I'm sort of wondering what a full season under Boudreaux looks like. And so like, and, and, and the thing is, is that when you start to trade core players away, um, what is your messaging to the players? And, and I know Rutherford said that, you know, we might make some un- unpopular moves. I, I really love the, the messaging of this organization. They're, they're playing their cards, right? They're not giving too much away. Um, but you know, like those questions have to be answered. Like what is Rutherford going to do, um, you know, with, with these core players and, and how much of that is under achievement and how much of that is counting on these guys to, you know, under a full season of Boudreaux, uh, live up to more of the offensive potential playing more fast, scoring more goals, um, you know, next season and, and giving them a full sort of slate and not to say like, there shouldn't be changes because there, there has to be right. Just based mm-hmm. on how the season has gone. And, and I think a lot of the reasons why we see uh, the underachieving going on, and I've mentioned this before in the large cast, uh, you know, yeah, we're, we're good top five or pardon me, top 10 in the league in terms of preventing or defending um, or, or goals against, but what we're not getting from our defense is that transition. So when Quinn Hughes isn't on the ice or when OEL is not on the ice, you know, the players are at center uh, or the forwards are trying to stretch the zone and the the defense um, is trying to pass them the puck, but you know, it's not, it's not even in stride, right? Like the forwards yeah. are just chasing after the puck. And I think that that does expend a lot of energy uh, when you're out there on that shift. And then, you know, when you don't have those, those horses, then it, it's really hard to, you know, get offense off the rush and, and all of those things. So those, those are things that they definitely have to look at and not to say that there are, are going to be uh, no changes at all, but that's something that um, they'll have to ask themselves for sure is where's the potential of this core and how much of it was them underachieving. And, you know, I think the pandemic is a great point as well. Um all of those things matter, I think. Yeah, and you know what? That's a question that the the executives on the Vancouver Canucks, Rutherford and Alvin, and and the whole host of those smart minds they have in the in the executive branch. There, that's those are the decisions they'll have to make. They'll have to assess the players they have and and do what they think is best for the Canucks short term and long term. And 
And I think that, you know, agreeing with the messaging aspect from you, Juggy, I mean, that they've been, they've been really honest with what their process is going to be, uh, how they're going to assess this. And, um, you know, with all indications around the, you know, insiders in the league, the Canucks will do something, uh, maybe a couple of some things before the deadline. And, you know, we're as, as fans, we're eagerly waiting to see what those some things are. And, and if it is a JT Miller trade, like has been somewhat loosely speculated here this evening, uh, you know what? We'll be here all for it. Um, Twitter is going to be fired up. <laughs> or we'll be fired up, right? So, I mean, you, you know, yep. I think that's, this is a good spot to, to leave it if you want to give a final thought, Gulu. No, I was just going to say, I mean, we're, we're almost out of time. And I said that if there was any movement on JT Miller, I will let you guys know. And it seems like there hasn't been any movement. So, oh, um, you scared me there. There hasn't been any movement. So, uh, yeah, we'll let the fans know of the large cast that if there is any movement on JT Miller, we're going to put out an emergency episode to share our thoughts right away. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's what the large cast does, right? So that's what we do. Fans, exactly. And- we're the voice of fans. We're fans first. And, you know, I want to say thank you to you, Juggy, and thank you to you, Gulu. And, and, and me, so you know, it's, a, it's, been a, it's been a good kind of return to the large cast here for myself and, and both of you as well. So I hope uh, the listeners enjoy this. And if you do, please do hit all the like and subscribe buttons on Spotify and other uh, podcast platforms there. And we really do want to hear feedback. We're available on Twitter, as always, at LargeCast. And you know what? Tell us what you think. Good, bad, ugly, doesn't matter. We're, uh, we're prone to get involved in some of these skirmishes on Twitter. So, you know, if you want to have one of those, we're game. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And for Gulu and Juggy, I'm Sad Over. Thanks. Have a good night.